With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team is 10-0 after a dominant win over Nebraska. Can the Wolverines, with their run-heavy attack, finish the season strong? We answer that question and others, plus talk some hoops and hockey, coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be with you here on Monday morning, November 14th. And it's uh, same old, same old for our Michigan football game recap podcast. Uh, The opponent changes, of course, every week, but the result seems to be pretty similar. This is a 34-3 drubbing of Nebraska at Michigan Stadium. And yeah, it just seems very similar to what we've seen from Michigan, especially recently. Just sort of this ho-hum dominance. Not a ton of big plays offensively. You know, I think uh, two sacks, uh, no turnovers, no forced turnovers. But in the end, nearly three times as many yards. Uh, so yeah, what's your both you guys, your, your takeaway from Michigan's win over Nebraska? Well, I'd, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on this because I've like gone back and forth in my head on, on Saturday's game. Like, they put together to me a full a full game, four quarters, something we haven't seen in previous weeks, and they you know, they, they were getting off to slow starts. But Saturday, just I don't know, it didn't it didn't move the needle for me. Like there were a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball. Not maybe both sides of the ball, the offensive offensive side of the ball. Defense was fine, um, but you knew coming in, Nebraska's offense was nothing great. Their starting quarterback wasn't there, um, so I you know I kind of assumed Nebraska wouldn't put up many points. So the defense, I think, did its job. The offense did the job but it just didn't like i don't know it, it just it seems like it's lacking something and, and we get into this later on but like um i don't know it, it was a fine they covered the spread they did what they were expected to do they won the football game maybe, and maybe that was the goal at the end you know beginning of the game um but it just i don't know man like i, I have a hard time with you know translating this this offensive performance into you know, what we may see in a couple of weeks against Ohio State or the playoff or whatever the case may be. But it was fine. I mean, they won the game. They did on the ground like they have all season long. Um, same story. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's the, the mistakes and some of the the, the drop passes just, I don't know, were, were baffling to me. Uh, yeah, man, it's lacking something. It's lacking what it's lacked pretty much all year. It's the downfield passing attack. I mean, once again, uh, J.J. did not he did not connect on any of his four uh, deep ball attempts of 20 plus yards or more downfield. Uh, and that's been an area that mission struggled all season. And I, I don't think it's all on him. I'm obviously he can improve in that area, but Michigan's receivers have been really underwhelming this year. Um, I mean, besides Ronnie Bell being that like possession type guy, 
there hasn't been anyone else that has really stretched the field. And when we heard all preseason about how many guys they have dominant, not dominant receivers, but like guys that really intriguing receivers with still sets that, 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 that really excited the coaches. None of that has translates translated to games really. So um, yeah, against Ohio state is that, is that, is there handing off to Blake Porum 28 times during a be enough? I don't know if they're, if they're going to be able to run that many plays, against Ohio State because, I mean, Ohio State's going to hold the ball a lot more than Nebraska uh, did because, yeah, like Aaron said, uh, two backup quarterbacks, not many playmakers on the outside or at running back. Um, that was ex- to be expected. But, yeah, I think at this point, everyone keeps saying the passing attack is coming downfield, and we have yet to see it, and it's heading into week 11. Well, we just jumped right into it, didn't we, huh? Let me, I mean, fans, let me just, uh, listeners out there, Michigan won this game 34 to 3. Don't listen to these two guys. Michigan is 10 and 0, 7 and 0 in the Big Ten. They've got the second highest scoring differential in the country. All right. This is a team that is elite in so many different ways. But, but, and I'll undercut my own argument there. We're nitpicking because this Michigan team has really big goals and they're and they're attainable they're 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 so close and given the way you know last season ended you can see why my co-hosts here are saying what they're saying now to answer what ryan just said about you know is blake quorum running 28 times enough to beat ohio state i think maybe it is like that's the blueprint to beat ohio state you're not going to air it out and, and beat them their secondary is good and you know, it's in the trenches that they struggle, right? Like, why Why isn't this the blueprint to beat Ohio State? I, I guess my gripe is because I'm just bored. Like, this Michigan team <laughs> hasn't played any, like, anyone of, like, legit competition weeks, like Penn right. State, and you saw what they did against, against Penn State. So, yep, yep. I, I, I guess I'm ready for, like, legit game here. Maybe Illinois is going to be that. I mean, they, they've shown that they can play defense, and they do have a legit running game, although we'll see if the running back plays on Saturday. Um, but I'm just wait- maybe we're just waiting for this Ohio State game. Like I- I'm assuming Michigan's gonna to beat Illinois on Saturday. They're gonna be in ele- be eleven to zero. Um, but I just want some competition. It- it's been weeks. I- in a way, I think maybe Michigan's kind of getting eager too. Um, you know, their schedule hasn't been great this year. The quality, of the Big Ten hasn't been great. You know, I, I would go with. I don't. I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say- by saying this, but I think the Big Ten last year was much more. Um, complete than the one this year. So Michigan's mm-hmm. schedule just hasn't done it done itself any favors. Now I know they have no control. They play who's on the schedule. They play who's in the conference, and that's how it goes. Uh, but they just, I just haven't had a ton of competition, and, and that's maybe part of the 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 gripe or the, some of the criticisms. Uh, yeah, it doesn't help that they've been facing these backdrop quarterbacks or, or banged up teams too. And so it's hard to really get a good gauge on on how this team would face against these these top tier teams in the country like we've been comparing Michigan to all year because they've been undefeated because they made it to the playoff last year. But I remember Andrew mentioned is this is Blake Quorum could be good enough to, to beat Ohio State. But again, I don't the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to say that is because I think Ohio State could put Michigan behind the eight ball, which Michigan hasn't really been much all at all this year. I Michigan scores on the first drive like every game. Like what if what if they go three and out to start the game against Ohio State and CJ Stroud goes, marches right down the field with their dominant passing attack and, and puts Michigan behind the eight ball. Yeah. I or if they get behind two stores. I mean they never got behind two stores last year. So they were they were able to kind of stay within striking distance and control the tempo, control the game, do what they wanted to do with the Hassan Haskins. That might not happen in Columbus and they might have to push the ball downfield. They might have to score 
uh, quickly uh, on a certain drive and not take eight minutes to, to store and just continue to drain the de- defense. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly be tough to see. I mean, when when you look at the two offenses, they move the ball completely different ways. And uh, it's, I mean, depending on the weather, that would be a factor too. But I'm going to lean towards the most ex- more explosive offense, and that's Ohio State at this point. You made some good points. And I, I think when healthy, if Diamond Edwards is healthy, I do think this Michigan run, you know, running game is better than it was last year. I think they're more yeah. explosive. I think they can break those big plays, but that that's the the thing here. Like Ohio State had a year to prepare for that. They know what Michigan's going to do. Not that they didn't know last year, but they just really hadn't faced it, and then it was kind of. And their defense is better, I think, than it was last year too. I do, and I think they're more prepared for this game. They they know what Michigan's going to do. Everything is on tape. And defensively, too. I mean, Ohio State's offense had trouble with Michigan's defense last year. They have a year on film. Yes, this yes, the personnel is a little bit different, but you have a general idea of what Michigan's trying to do. So I, I think the whole rub and the whole newness to Michigan scheme and everything else has gone out the window. Um, but no, no, I think, again, going back to Richard point, if Michigan's healthy running game, I think they can, they can win the game. Um, but I do think at some point they're going to have to throw the ball. Like you said, whether they get behind early, or they trail at some point in the game, Michigan's going to be forced to throw the ball. And they just haven't shown that they can do win a game doing that. Now they haven't had to, but when push comes to shove, what, what's going to happen, especially on the road in Columbus. So that's what I'm really curious to see about. Um, I think Corm's had a fantastic year. I mean, he's going to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation here in a couple of weeks. I'll probably get an invite to New York, assuming he can stay healthy and Michigan can, you know, win out here, or at least, you know, win 11 games and keep it close with Ohio state. Um, We'll see. I, I think at some point Michigan's going to have to, and even if it's not Ohio State and say they do beat Ohio State on the ground, just like they did last year, you know, once the playoff comes, they're going to, they're going to, I mean, they, 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 I don't think they can line up against a, a Georgia again and, and beat them on the ground. You saw that they couldn't do it last year. Um, and there's been no evidence to suggest that this year that they could be able to do it again. I mean, Georgia's just, again, just another powerhouse, big defensive team. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, right. That's the tougher one. Right. And isn't, I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that the goal? Like, yes, you want to be yeah, Ohio okay. State and get Fair. the Big Ten, but you want to get in the playoff and win a national championship. A- I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Ohio State, you're right. That's the one where you're, you know, Zook's kind of alluding to maybe you have to almost win in a, in a shootout or something close to it because they're going to score. You're not going to hold them down. So you need to be able to put up points. Georgia, it's kind of the opposite. I don't think they're going to they're going to hang 40 on a good defense, but they might take away. They might be much better equipped to take away Michigan's run game than any team that they've played so far. And you're right. You're right. I'm just, you know, we are not that far removed from, you know, losing, losing seasons. I mean, forget, even if you want to throw out 2020, like before Jim Harbaugh got here, you know, five and seven, seven, six, eight and five were the, were the three, um, you know, last years of the Brady Hoke era. Um, And then obviously everyone knows what went on with Rich Rod. Like, I don't know. So to be, these are the two, I don't think there's just like no one listening to this podcast probably that has seen two better Michigan seasons in a row in their life. Mm-hmm. So like this is this is an incredible run they're on right now. But um, it is it is interesting to see how similar um, the numbers are, you know, through 10 games to last year's team, despite all the talk about this you know new quarterback that was going to kind of bring a different uh you know, dimension to this offense, it hasn't, it hasn't exactly panned out. It's been, it's been just very, very similar from a numbers perspective and from, uh, you know, it's just as far as the, the results on the field. 
Um, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I don't I, I that to missions downfield passing attack. I went this morning and looked at like JJ JJ McCarthy's passing grades on on 20 plus yards down the field, and I mean he's only connected 11 of 32 times for 363 and three touchdowns and interception. But against Hawaii, he was four for four for 136 yards and two of those touchdowns. So outside of that, I mean it it, it shows he has really struggled. I'm like, all right, so what, what what's CJ Stroud at? And I looked at his numbers. And he's been incredibly efficient and, and good down the field. I mean, 21 of 44 for 772 and eight touchdowns um, on passes 20 plus yards down the field. So it's like, wow, what is, I mean, you kind of, you know, they move the ball differently. And, and obviously he has more uh, explosive receivers to throw to, but it was just kind of just eye popping to me to see the stark contrast between those, uh, between the two quarterbacks, at least. Uh, the in the downfield passing attack this year, even the attempts that down the field. I know McCarthy didn't start the the, the first game, but man, <laughs> pretty surprising. Michigan's really followed a similar, like you guys said, really followed a similar playbook to last year. Whether they're leaning on their what they conceive to be their strength, and it, it is their strength running the football and dominating up front. And and part of me, you know, we, we kind of discussed this last year when they, as they were going progressing as the season went on. You know, maybe we, we thought, well, what are they holding back? Are they are they are they keeping it all for the Ohio State game? Are they you know? And it just wasn't the case. They le- they leaned on the run game. They rely on the run game. And that's only one games. This year, we we we've seen them try and take more shots down the field and try and incorporate the passing game more. Early in the year, it worked with some of the screen deals with with Roman Wilson and the like. And that's since been kind of taken away, and he hasn't been as effective as he was in the you know maybe the non conference schedule. Um, but Michigan's tried incorporating the passing game. I would I would argue a little bit more. And it just like you said, it hasn't worked. Um, part of that I think is on JJ overthrowing guys. Part of that is on the receivers not getting open, not getting separation, and just not catching the ball. Um, so it's it's been kind of mind. It's been you know baffling in a way. Um, you, you'd think at some point they'd be able to hit on it. You know whether it's in one game or a sequence of plays, and they just haven't been able to do it. And you, you wonder at this point how much of it is psychological and how much they're thinking about it because they, it seems like they're getting asked about it every single day at this point. Uh, so it's in, until it happens, I mean, they're going to continue to get asked about it. But again, going back to, you know, Andrew's original point, <laughs> as long as you keep winning and you're doing what your, your, your strength is and you're having success doing it, I guess the rest of it doesn't really matter. But I, I do get what Aaron's saying about, you know, almost like, it has become like so routine. It can almost be not entertaining. I mean, the non-conference was, as we've discussed ad nauseum, not not good. Although I should point out that uh, Connecticut has won five of their last six. They're now bowl eligible after their upset of Liberty. So maybe that one we'll we'll see if you know the uh, uh, college football playoff uh, you know committee chairs is, mentions that UConn. Uh, resurgence uh, when he talks about Michigan's non-conference schedule tomorrow night, but uh, I doubt it. But uh, but yeah, and then the Big Ten has just been down. I mean, only one game has been decided by single digits for Michigan, and that was that Maryland game that really did anyone think Michigan was at any point during that game actually going to lose it? So they really haven't been tested truly like late in the fourth quarter. You need a drive here. You need to at least get some points. You need a stop here. Like that just that just hasn't happened yet, and I'm not saying when it does, they won't be prepared. But it's just it is interesting. Um, and I think you know, I think this Illinois team will be will be good to is like the perfect game before Ohio State just because of e- even even with their late recent slide, they're still like really good defensively. Um, they still have a good running game if, if Chase Brown is healthy. Um, like they can test Michigan in ways that other opponents necessarily haven't. Um, maybe not since like Iowa. Um, and that, that was a while back. So, um, yeah, it'd be a good good test to kind of 
maybe force Michigan to try to do some other things to win, but maybe not. Yeah, we'll get into more later this week, but Illinois is very much kind of a carbon copy of Michigan. They're trying to be like Michigan. They like throwing the football. They're they're big and physical. Uh, that they'd like to force turnovers and and win the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, kudos to Brett Bielema. He's in, he's flipped that program in a couple of years. Um, he he kind of realizes the West was wide open, and he's kind of brought his brand of football there to Champaign. And they've they've largely been successful doing it. And as you mentioned, they're they're running back Chase Brown statistically, um, you know, I believe, still has better numbers than Blake Corum. So they like to run the football. They've been effective doing it. So yeah, it'll be a great test. It's kind of like a mirror image of Michigan in a way. Uh, leading up to that, the, the Ohio State game in a couple of weeks. What is there? What is the reason that Michigan's downfield passing attack hasn't been particularly se- successful? Because my the one thing I always point to, this team does not have an NFL wide receiver that I that I see. I'm not saying that Ronnie Bell or Cornelius Johnson, or I mean, if you want to say you throw in the tight ends, Luke Schoonmaker or Eric All, though he's not obviously not on the field this year, like can't eventually play in the NFL. But I don't really see that. A guy necessarily getting drafted, and especially in the first, say, you know, four or five rounds, even that's what's holding it back to me. But it does seem like there are maybe other issues too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've had a, and Brian hit on it earlier, they don't really have, they haven't had a possession receiver kind of emerge. I thought maybe some of us thought that was going to be Cornelius Johnson. He's been wildly inconsistent. Um, Ronnie Bell's been fine, but he hasn't been that, that true, I guess, number one dominant guy. Maybe some of us expected coming back. Uh, they they just they I don't know I almost feel like a Nico Collins type guy would be so perfect in this offense a guy who can go up and get balls and and kind of you know um, you know get, just get open and they just don't have that this year um, I I don't know if that's on development I don't know if that's on lack of ability to run routes if that's just the lack of communication um, it, it's been kind of wild just to see just because you guys hit on it like JJ McCarthy is very much turned into Cade McNamara just with a little bit more mobility. Um, and it's just kind of got product of the offense they're trying to run. And I think the inability of the receivers to, to get open and create separation. So I think it's, it's all encompassing. I don't think it falls on one area. You can, you can criticize receivers at same token. JJ's missed some open guys too. Um, and I think that's also a product of, of the lack of practice for him in the off season. Remember he didn't practice in the spring, didn't throw in the spring. It sounds like he got off to a late start in camp throwing the ball. Um, and, and those reps and that kind of continuity and that communication matters with those receivers. I mean, how many times in the offseason do you hear about you know Michigan quarterback, whether it was Cade McNamara or even J.J. last year, would go out and, and work out with the guys and just throw the football? I mean, that's where those um, those relationships kind of come into play and that communication matters when, when you get out on the field and, and you need to know where a guy is going to be or know his tendencies. They haven't – seems like they don't really know that. I mean, it played out again Saturday in the, the deep ball of Cornelius Johnson where he didn't – and look up for the ball. I mean, it's almost like he wasn't expecting it. So I think it's been an all-encompassing thing. It's not one thing. It's it's multiple things. And until they kind of get it settled settled or figured out, and they've only got really two games to do it, I, I don't see this passing game really becoming a, a a big part of the offense. Which is surprising because their run game has been so effective. You would think that would open up so much in the passing game, and it really hasn't. And, and when there has been guys open downfield, they haven't been able to, to connect for whatever reason. So, yeah, like you said, uh, there's none of the receivers have really been – haven't wowed at all this year, is, uh, haven't popped as far as their route running or, or or catching ability. Or I mean, you look at – I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, look at him and how he's able to to get separation and and, and separate from guys and, and find creases and seams and just always seems to be open. And you look at Michigan, it's like – 
who's doing that? There isn't anyone there. I mean, against lesser opponents early in the year, yeah, Roman Wilson kind of blew by the de- defense secondary a couple times. Um, but since then, there I thought Andrew Anthony was going to be more involved in the downfield passing game this year. He only has seven catches for 80 yards all season. Uh, I mean, A.J. Henning's never been a guy that's trying to go down the field and catch a ball. He's always been kind of the gimmicky stuff, but like sweeps and jet sweeps and um, kind of short bubble screens type of type of player and, and letting him do all the work. So it's like, um, yeah, there isn't any. I mean, I think the Nico Collins type is possibly Darius Clemens, but he's a true freshman and hasn't really given, been given much of a role yet. So maybe down the line or next year, They'll they'll have a guy like that again, but at this point this season, I don't think there's there's one guy that's going to be on the field that can go do that. It's it's interesting. Like the long touchdown passes have been, you know, either wide open or or the short passes with a lot of running after the catch. And you know, wh- why make it harder on yourself if you don't have to? If you can run the ball effectively, you know, do it. If your guy is wide open, you're not going to wait for a defender to to catch up with you to make it harder. But the, the stats on the on the balls, the travel, you know, 20 yards in the air, the stats on, you know, so-called contested catches that I know pro football focus puts out those those kind of numbers are, are you know, those 50-50 balls, so to speak, are not good. And, you know, again, they haven't really needed to do that yet. But the, I think the thought is, right, that against Ohio State and certainly against like playoff teams, you're going to need that. Guys aren't going to be wide open. There's not going to just going to be green grass all over the all over the place. Like you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to make some of those tougher plays, and they just haven't shown an ability to do it yet. But I, I do believe it's there. Like I don't think JJ McCarthy. Like there was just this unwarranted hype around the, the strength of his arm, the accuracy of his arm. Um, like I think, I think the pieces are all there. Um, they keep talking about right. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing it on. Uh, you know, on the practice field, we just have to bring it, bring it to Main Street, and it just hasn't. Again, like it doesn't really matter when all is said and done. We're ten games in now. Like you've had a lot of reps. They keep talking; they need more reps. You've had a lot, but um, who, who knows? Maybe they are. They they're trying to speak it to, into existence. I'm not sure, but again, it was it was a dominant win, and they're, they they moved to ten and zero. And we will have more, um, you know, talk about the Illinois game later this week, and and Donovan Edwards' health and all that once we talk to. Jim Harbaugh later today, who will surely give us a full injury report. Uh, we did say we had some other sports to talk about. Um, Michigan men's basketball was uh, in Detroit, uh, Little Caesars Arena against Eastern Michigan. And man, this was an exciting college game. Aaron, I know you were in the house as well. Uh, you know, I was I was sitting courtside and and happy to be there to see for the first time for me, Imani Bates in person. And man, he was he was the real deal. Uh, you know, he and I, I tried, said it on this podcast last week. It's not just him either. They got this point guard, Noah Farrakhan, that can play. They got some of Amani's uh, pals from, you know, his, his high school days on this squad. And uh, they could be a problem in the Mid-American Conference, no doubt about it. Um, and they gave Michigan, uh, you know, all the Wolverines could handle. Uh, and in a very entertaining, exciting college game on Friday night. It, it was a blast. Amani looked, I mean, I saw him play a little bit in high school, and he's obviously gotten a little bigger and bulked up. But, man, he was hitting step-back jumpers and going one-on-one and, and making shots. And he was kind of – he was that playmaking superstar of high school so many folks had talked about. And he, he was the real deal. Um, you know, it, Eastern came to play. They were competitive. They 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 punched Michigan in the mouth early. They led most of the game, if you correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, they were up for a yeah. good chunk. 
Um, obviously, I think at the end of the day that, that Michigan seemed a little more disciplined and, and just more tight-lipped or tight, tight. Um, you know, there in the second half. But uh, yeah, it was impressive. I, I do think Eastern will probably have a shot to win the MAC. They looked incredibly. Farrakhan was a good compliment too. Like he was just he was a good uh, scorer. Got to the basket. Um, you know, when when and I thought Eastern did a good job of of um, you know, separating them too and just kind of you know get keeping one at least one on the on the court at all times. And I think Eastern. When they were there, they were certainly competitive and they're in the game. Yeah, I can guarantee you no one else in the match will have a duo like that. That's for sure. Right. All right. I mean, in the end, like I also tried to say, you know, Hunter Dickinson was, was kind of the difference. And you, know, you had guys foul out, you know, late that, you know, they just they just couldn't couldn't match Michigan's size on the interior. Someone give this guy a clipboard and get him on the sideline. <laughs> That's I mean, we'll see. I my previews going forward probably won't be as as accurate. I don't think that was a, some bold prediction that the <laughs> seven foot one guy would do well against a bunch of six eight guys. But uh yeah, it was uh it, it was close, just like I kinda expected it to be. Um but what I love is that this game was forty five forty two at half Eastern, which was the final score of the last time these two teams played. So uh, it was uh, a much different kind of game, much more entertaining. And I mean, like I wrote, I mean, I'm, I'm not putting Imani Bates in the NBA right now, but like the shots he were hit, he was hitting was, were reminiscent of, of the types of shots you see, um, you know, played made at LCA normally um, the home of the Pistons, because this is not many college players. Michigan's going to face the rest of the way. You know, six nine, six ten, who can handle the ball and create their own shot like that on the outside? No, I mean he's hitting shots from, you know, darn near the logo at midcourt. So like, that's I know there's others that that are a little more um maybe pessimistic or skeptical about what they've seen from Michigan in these two games, but I think those are maybe two better teams than people realize, two better opponents. Um and and yeah, sure, Michigan has things to work out, but look at a lot of these scores from from around the country. Plenty of other ranked teams have have gotten some scares. So uh, for Michigan next, it'll be a trip to uh, New York. Um, they'll play in Brooklyn's Barclays Center against uh, Pitt, uh, who already lost by 25 at home to West Virginia. Um, that's the semis on Wednesday night. It's a, it's a four-team tournament, the Legends Classic. The finals would be intriguing, no matter what, because either it's Frankie Collins and Arizona State or a VCU team that, that Brandon Johns Jr. starts for and, and Zeb Jackson comes off the bench. Uh, so kind of a reunion, uh, familiar faces, no matter what, and a tournament that Michigan, I'd say, is favored to win. But, um, you know, we'll, they'll, the, the competition kind of st- steps up in a way in, in New York. And then I believe the hockey team, they're always in action over the weekend, right? What did they do, Zook? Yeah, they uh, another split in the Big Ten um, on Friday night. They kind of rolled to a 5-1 to victory over Notre Dame. Um, and scored first again on, on Saturday and, and went up two to nothing and ended up blowing, blowing that two goal lead and, and losing in overtime on the road against, uh, against the Irish. So, um, and even going back to last Saturday too, I mean, they, sw- uh, got, got blown out, shut out three, nothing against Penn state came back the following night and took a three, nothing lead of their own and then blew a, a three goal lead in the third period. So it's still early probably should be a little bit concerned about blowing these leads. But uh, again, the, the, the Big Ten's tough. Notre Dame has had Michigan's number uh, for a number of years now. I mean, last year, Notre Dame beat them all four regular season meetings, and we know how good Michigan of a good of a season Michigan had. So uh, Irish always play, play Michigan tough. 
and it's not going to get any easier this weekend for them. I mean, they have uh, they host Minnesota, who who was the top ranked team uh, in the country this this past weekend. They split with Penn State, so we'll see. Um, by the time this podcast is published, the the new national polls will be out. We'll see if if Minnesota stays at number one. Um, but regardless, they're the Big Ten preseason favorites. They're uh, um, they're they have just as much NHL talent as as Michigan does. So it should be a, a fun. I can't even say weekend because it's a Thursday and Friday uh, series this week. So at Yost Ice Arena, so it should be should be a couple of good games. It's that time of year, folks, where we've got a lot of different uh, high-profile Michigan sports to talk about here on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We'll have more coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.